The content of this podcast, Swingin' It, is for informational and entertainment purposes only. The content discussed is not intended for investment advice nor a recommendation. Investing in any stock, security, bond, ETF, option contracts, or futures has substantial risk of loss. Chris McBride and John Burrell are not certified financial or investment advisors, nor are they registered brokers. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge that neither Chris McBride or John Burrell will be held responsible for any loss that you may occur from acting on the topic or discussion in this podcast. These topics are not meant for recommendation. Chris McBride and John Burrell may hold positions in securities discussed in this podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the Just Swing It podcast. I'm Chris McBride. I'm joined by John Burrell. It is Sunday, uh, January the 10th. Um, you'll be listening to this on Monday, January the 11th. But we got a good show for you today. We're getting back to our educational segment. So John's got one lined up for us today. But um, before we get to that, John, how's the weekend going? Did you get that snow in what in uh, North Carolina? Yeah, we got a little bit of snow. It. Uh barely covered the ground and then it warmed up a little bit by the night and we got a lot of rain and washed it all away so we got just a, a little bit um, it didn't even last an hour I don't think yeah it was kind of wild here I I got up on Friday morning to take the dog out it was probably like 7 a.m and there was no snow on the ground at all it was just like you could see a couple flurries in the air but almost nothing I came back in and told my wife that it was snowing and she looked at the window and like no it's not and then um, about an hour later, it was like over an inch. The whole ground was covered. You couldn't see any grass at all. So we got quite a bit more than normal. I actually went to West Virginia to pick up some more wood at my grandpa's um, for my wood stove. And we had more snow, I feel like, at my house in Virginia than, I, than they did in West Virginia at the top of a mountain besides ski resort. So it, it was a little bit crazy so that we was getting that much snow. But the dog loves it. Yeah, I hear him barking in the background. <laughs> yeah, I put him in his kennel. Carmen's um, sleeping, so I didn't want him to just be running rampant by himself. So, yeah, she's sleeping. She, we thought she had COVID, so we, me and her both been at the house for, you know, since Thursday and Friday. She was kind of sick on um, Wednesday night, and then she felt perfectly. She slept till like, 2 p.m. on Thursday, and she normally gets up at, like, 5.30 a.m., so that's kind of weird. But she went to the doctor. They tested her. And they were, came back, said no COVID. It said she had the flu, but she literally only felt bad from like real late Wednesday night till the time she got up um, Thursday morning. And then she said she felt fine ever since, like hasn't thrown up or anything like that. So no COVID. So that's good. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, Steph was having really bad headaches and was feeling bad the last few days too. And she got tested and didn't have it. So did they test her for the flu as well? When Carmen went, they tested her for everything. That might have been what it is because. Uh, she had a really bad headache. Um, she didn't have a fever. We checked it, but our thermometer could be broken because every time I've checked my temperature with it, it comes back 97 something. So I, it may just be locked on like 97.7 or something. 
but she said she had like the shivers and like was shaky. And then um, she couldn't breathe real well and like coughing, but she had been in the basement earlier um, in the day, like cleaning up and there was like getting dust and stuff everywhere. And, you know, she, she has a little bit of asthma. So I, the dust could have caused the coughing, but when she went to the doctor, they told her that they thought she had COVID and then she ended up not. She just, they said she had the flu, but like I said, she really didn't feel bad, but 12 hours. Yeah, it's it's weird, this COVID and all the stuff that's going on, but who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, who, who knows? I think we passed all-time highs this, um, in cases reported maybe yesterday. And it said it was worldwide more than 90 million cases worldwide. Now, in my opinion, this is going to sound unsensitive, maybe a little bit, but well, not unsensitive. It's the, it's the truth. A lot of the numbers that they keep reporting on the news, they report the additional cases each day, but then they also report the total number. Like, so when they say in Virginia, there's a total number of a million cases or whatever it is, that's, that's dating back since March. I would rather them tell me how many active cases. Like, I don't feel like they're doing a good job reporting active cases because the majority of people aren't dying. So, like, when they say there's 90 million cases worldwide, it's like, well, there has been 90 million cases worldwide. It's probably, like, a very small fraction of that. It may not even be 5% of that number. That's currently. Yeah. Uh it's, it's funny how they report the numbers and, and also, you know, we haven't had that big of percent deaths. So I don't know how serious it is, but I mean, I've been, I've been working uh, through all of it, you know, I haven't um, been off during any of the closing, um, you know, when they closed the whole country down, I worked all the way through it and I've waited on thousands of customers and, you know, I haven't got it yet. So and out of anybody, I, I would think that I would have. But Yeah, so that, that I think, is the problem. It's kind of the hard thing. We're both young, and, you know, you play basketball and stuff. We might not be as athletic as we used to be or as in shape as we used to be, but who knows? You may have got it and, you know, just passed it, like, no problem, and wouldn't even notice. So I think that's where the issue stands. It's like a lot of young people are getting it, and technically you never notice the difference. So – that's what they say now i don't know how you exactly you can prove that i guess unless you get tested i, I think the antibody test where they draw your blood like if you have the antibodies that means you had it at some point but um i'm, I'm with you i've worked since um it started our office um in blacksburg only has five people so i'm not around that many people but actually since it started i've had to do you know three or four different work trips one to like lynchburg virginia which during like March, April when it started, which had substantially more cases than where I live at. And then I went to Long Beach, California and stayed for two weeks. And I stayed in Florida, um, South Florida, in fact, like, um, you know, Palm Beach. So only an hour from Miami um, for almost a month. And I haven't ever felt bad and haven't felt like I've had it either. And then we also had my wedding there in Gatlinburg and you were there that weekend. If anyone was ever going to get COVID, it was there. They gave zero shits about COVID down there in Gatlinburg. But uh, yeah, I haven't got it yet. And nobody in our party got it. So we had how many people there? Like at least 20 and nobody got it. So 
yeah, that, included I mean, some, that included some elderly people as well. So, And when you think of all the places I've been and been in contact with, all the places you've been, and we've all been in contact with each other, and, you know, we haven't got it. But, I mean, we might just be the small percent outlier that, you know, we've just missed it somehow. But I don't know. I, I'm not really too worried about it. I just, there's a lot of things that's pissing me off. Like, I can't go play basketball at the gym. In North Carolina, um, we've been playing outside, but it's been cold here lately, so we haven't been able to do that. But South Carolina is kind of like Tennessee. They don't give a shit either. I'm about to go sign up for a Y membership in South Carolina because I'm just like five minutes away from – well, about 15 minutes away from my South Carolina Y. So I'm going to go over there and just start playing basketball because, you know, I'm starting to get fat. Yeah, I haven't played basketball in almost a year now. We normally play – play basketball on Tuesdays at this Mormon church and it's been yeah definitely not been playing um so yeah who knows I'm probably gonna suck when we get back but we don't we don't mean to sound insensitive just like that that's that kind of sounds bad we're complaining about not being able to go play basketball and there are people dying but it's just putting things in, in perspective that you know yeah especially for two young guys like us you know we we're used to being active, used to doing stuff, going out, going here, going there, and, and now we can't. And, and for us, you know, we haven't really seen any of the effects of it. So for us, it's just like, well, what the hell? I just want to, you know, do what we normally do. So, yeah, it might be a little insensitive. And, I, I you know, I'm sorry for everybody that's, you know, got gotten it or have died or loved ones or anything like that. It's just you know, this is our perspective of the of the world, and we know it's not – necessarily how the world actually is but for us it is so you know we're just trying to figure it out like everybody else yeah i'll take it one step farther um farther i personally don't know one person that has had it now maybe i've seen if i really think about it i may have seen someone i know on like facebook or something say they had it but personally i don't know one person that i talk to on a normal like in normal life anyone i work with who has had it i don't think our companies had anyone that had it so now my my wife some of the people she works with that has um has had it and she she works at like the virginia tech vet hospital so she and it's a teaching hospital so there's students who come from all over the world come in and they all the students get tested and that that sort of thing but um if i get it i'm definitely blaming on her because that's for sure where it came from (laughs) (laughs) heard that yeah um i do know a couple people there's some musician friends that i have um, they got it, but um, both of them just said they got really bad headaches, and one of them said he lost taste for like three weeks, but really it wasn't bad, and they're they're like in their 40s, early 40s, um, and it didn't seem like it really affected them too much, uh, other than the guy that I know, he, he's a, a, he, you know, does a lot of um, cooking, you know, he's like a, like a semi-pro chef, uh, as well, and he's he's really complaining about losing his taste because you know that's his that's his, one of his things like music is so that was interesting. But yeah, one of the podcasts I listened to, one guy, I guess two guys on there got it, and they from they live in Indianapolis, so two two guys on there got it. But besides that, you know, just no one I I personally know. Like I said, there's been a couple of people at Carmen's work who has had it, but it's it's not really been. You know, it hasn't affected me too much. I know it's affected some people. Um, I know they ha- they talk about this new um, strand of COVID that's like from the UK. There's been starting reported cases in the US, 
from what I hear about that is it's it's even more contagious, but it's like less harmful. So like it's way more contagious, but it's not really as big of a deal. So that's that's just what I've heard. I know it's new, so I'm sure we'll get more on that as we go. But wow, there's a lot of talk on COVID, but you know, might as well have a little bit of conversation before we get into the market. But um, today, might as well hop into the market now and we'll start with our educational segment or stock jargon with John. We're going to continue. If you remember the last time we did an educational segment, we were kind of starting to talk about different, uh, I guess, technical analysis um, tools, but neither one of us really do does technical analysis. So I don't even want to say it like that. We're both wanting to learn and add more stuff to our residual uh, our toolbox or whatever, but I would say these are more indicators that even people who don't use technical analysis can kind of use. Like a lot of people that don't do technical analysis will look at RSI and stuff like that. Um, but we're going to move on in the same kind of vein today, and we're going to talk about the CCI indicator or the Commodity Channel Index, which was invented by Donald Lambert in 1980. And um, John's going to tell us a little bit about that. It's again, was originally based on commodities, but nowadays it can, you know, it can really be used by anyone. It's not a necessarily a commodity driven index, but go ahead, John. Yes. Yeah, so uh, like Chris said, um, you know, that's basically who it was created by and uh, the name of it. And this indicator is very uh, similar to the RSI is in it's it's like a momentum type indicator and it is used to track market movements that uh, may indicate buying or selling opportunities so just like the RSI some people can use the CCI in a very similar way so once it gets to a certain point and we'll show that here in just a second but when it gets to the, the typical parameters for it is plus 100 or minus 100. But anyways, once it gets to plus 100, some people will see that as momentum and they'll actually buy, looking for the stock to, to continue trending in that direction. And then some people use more of a mean reversion um, standpoint as once it gets to 100, it's overbought. And people do the same thing with the RSI. If it hits 70, they might say, well, this is gonna be a trend. Or if it hits 70, they might think, well, this is gonna pull back and they might sell it. So it just depends on, your preference with that. Now, I will say that these things only work about uh, anywhere from from 30 to 70% of the time, depending on how you set them up. And depending on if you go long or short, you it's not just about when you should buy and when you should sell uh, as far as like to enter the position, but it's also your percent of winning and your percent losing and how much you make and lose is also depends on your strategy of when you're gonna exit the trade. And, and if you're building a strategy based on the CCI, <coughs> excuse me, based on the CCI, you need to have uh, mechanics to where you execute it the same way every time and you stick to those mechanics because if you don't stick to them, you're gonna, you're gonna have variance in your sample and in your trades. And so you might have a strategy with the CCI that would be profitable because, but because you're not consistent enough, you can't see it actually work in your favor. And there, like I said, there's many different ways of setting this up, but just entering a trade is only half of it. You also have to manage a trade. 
you have to say, well, it's uh, this much loss I'm going to get out and this much profit I'm going to get out. And you have to uh, figure out a formula that's going to help you with that. But the formula for the CCI is the um, price minus the simple moving average and then uh, that total divided by 0.015 times the mean deviation. And I don't know why it's that way. This is who, you know, how um, Donald Lambert created it to be. So I don't know why it's that specifically. You'd have to ask him, and I'm sure there's some reading on it that you can do. Um, but it is, that's the formula for it, if you're curious. And I don't know specifically off the top of my, again, I, I didn't, I don't know exactly that this is true, but coming from, you know, graduate school and doing research on stuff and being an engineer and, you know, going by formulas, I would assume that that 0.015 constant is there specifically to force it to be most of the time. Now, again, we talked about being over a hundred miles one. I assume that has something to do with keeping that to that in that a range of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, but so yeah, basically um, the CCI compares current price to the average price over, you know, whatever time period and you can edit that as well on most platforms and uh, you can use this over multiple time frames. So if you think that one time frame really um, dictates where the other time frames are going, then you can look at it on multiple time frames, which is also uh, you know practical for a lot of traders to do. But don't make it too complicated. Keep things very simple with your strategy, and also it's a good idea to back test and be more of an observer. So say you have an idea, like once the indicator gets to 100, you're gonna short. Instead of doing that, why don't you say, well, one that once the indicator gets to 100, I'm gonna observe what happens next. And then you go back through time and do a back test of, I would suggest 200 um, setups, you know, once it gets to 100 and, and look at that through 200 setups, in, in historical data and then see what happens. And then you can derive a strategy over your uh, observations of the statistical data. Uh, but we're gonna pull up a chart here um, and we'll, we'll talk through it because it's a podcast, but um, it'll give you a little bit more insight here of what we are talking about. And we're gonna talk about everyone's favorite investment opportunity, Bitcoin. So this is the daily chart using the CCI. And if I can move this thing out of my way so I can see the chart myself. Um, okay, so this is so Bitcoin chart. on uh, 2-24-2020. Wow, this goes back a far away. But anyways, we're just going to go over a couple of these. So on 2-24-20, the CCI on Bitcoin was minus 100. And when it signaled minus 100, thereafter, there was a, a significant drawdown in Bitcoin. Okay. And then you could just say once it comes from, I guess, just to look at this simply, once it comes from plus 100 and then goes to minus 100, or when it goes from minus 100 to plus 100, We'll look at those. So the ones in between, we'll just kind of ignore for now. 
So yeah, if you would have sold when it was minus 100 in Bitcoin on 2-24-2020, you can't really short Bitcoin right now from my understanding, but if you say you sell your current position, it would have saved you some money and you could have got back in at a cheaper price. Now, on the other side of it, on uh, 4-5-2020, the CCI went over plus 100, and that was a good buying opportunity because it went much higher after that. Then if we look at our next minus 100 on 6-24-20, uh, we had a... Uh, again, and these are like momentum like trades. So this is like saying once it starts going in one direction too far, then it's going to continue to go. That's the assumption that we're saying in this hypothetical scenario. So on this one, you would have sold and it wouldn't have worked because it basically stays flat and then shot way higher. However, if you did, if, if, if this, you sold it and it didn't do much and then it started to go up, you would have got back in on 7-20-2020 and would have enjoyed the profits without really missing much of the uptrend itself. And then if you go back to this one on 8-24-20, you had a sell signal uh, for momentum and you would have been able to miss the drawdown and got back in at a cheaper price. Same thing with uh, on, let's see, where to actually cross, on 10-9, it signaled momentum to the upside and it sure enough went straight up. So, so far, and this is the first time I've looked at this with you guys, so far this is showing very good signals for Bitcoin. So this might be something that you could actually look at in building a strategy with your Bitcoin. So Chris, we were talking about before we got on the podcast that you uh, finally invested in some Bitcoin. So are you going to be looking at some CCI trades with it? Um, probably not. I'm probably looking to just keep adding a little bit to it here and there and just see if I can ride a little, a little momentum. Um, I added a very little amount of money just, uh, just to try it out. So see, see what happens because again, you know, a lot of people, if you get on Twitter or whatever, they might look down on you for talking about you own 0.002 Bitcoin or whatever, but 10% is 10% on your investment, no matter what, you own. So if Bitcoin goes up 10% and you have $100 in, that's, you, you made $10 basically. So look at things on a percent basis. Not many people buying $40,000 Bitcoins. But uh, yeah, to, to add to something you said there, or to kind of, to, you, you said it earlier, to kind of to reiterate that is um, from what I've seen and read on the CCI, it's kind of exactly what John said. I would say more people use it as like, so if it goes over plus a hundred, I would say more people use that as this is an uptrend, let's buy. Whereas intuitively to like a short-term trader and which is to me kind of different from the RSI, you know, when we say it goes over 70 on the RSI, I would say most people don't buy over 70. They say that's like way overpriced, overvalued, that's going to go down. Whereas on this CCI, when it goes over plus 100, it's not, let's sell it. Most people would say we're in an uptrend, let's buy. So I want to reiterate that some people may do the mean reversion and, you know, when it goes over plus 100, looking for it to um, start shooting down. But I would say that is definitely more commonly used as, you know, above plus 100 is bullish and above uh, below minus 100 is um, for sure bearish.
Yeah, and I was looking at the uh, RSI here. Um, they give similar signals, but it looks like it takes more to move the RSI than it takes to move the CCI. Um, so it's definitely something I encourage everyone to pull up a charting system. Um, we just use Yahoo Finance because it's easy to pull up on the screen here, but you can definitely use your broker for that as well. Most brokers offer both CCI and RSI. But it, I encourage you to go and look at this and, you know, maybe do a little bit of back testing and see if you can't create a strategy. And if you do, uh, please share it with us. Uh, we'd love to have a free strategy. To use. Yeah, and you can start, um, you know, just look at the CCI, kind of like what we talked about with John using the RSI on the um, ES features or whatever. Um, but like John said, you don't have to use only CCI, like, we're, we're we've talked about a few indicators now start putting those together look at cci and then look at rsi and then you know we had alex on the glacius on the show who you know basically only trades he does not trade from what i know of him he does not trade at all based on news he doesn't trade at all based on what the company is he doesn't trade at all on what the price is he solely looks at price action and I think when he was on here, he said he has four or five check boxes and, you know, he only makes a trade if they check all of them. He doesn't make a trade if it checks three out of five or two out of five. He makes a trade if it checks all five. And I would encourage to say that's the way this should be used is use it as one more thing and have a number in mind. And when you're starting to look at trades, see if it checks that box. And if it does move to your next indicator and see if it checks that box. So, yeah, and also with that, you know, just make sure you're not looking at too much stuff, though. Yeah, keep it to four or five and make sure what you have works. Like John said, back test it. Um, think or swim, you can sign up for free. We don't use think or swim to trade. Me and John both use um, Tastyworks. Shout out to Tastyworks. They're sending me uh, a free mug with Tom Sawzall's face on it. That's awesome. <laughs> but um, you can use think or swim for free they got an on-demand feature you can literally go back and you know play out any day um there's many different ways you can use that john on his rsi thing used as like just pausing in time basically and looking at where it hit um but you can literally if you want to practice trading you can go back to like last thursday and like play it at, at normal speed say on like a saturday or you maybe can fast forward a little bit but you can just play it and just trade it like it was a regular day with like fake money and see what happens. So. Yeah, and it gives you good experience. Um, now I will say, I've been building, um, I've been building a strategy around RSI recently, and I've tested about 150 back testing points, and have started to develop a strategy off of um, the futures. And so far, the last uh, month, um, it's been doing pretty well. Um, I've been doing, I started to do the challenge again. Um, and something that, for those of you who don't know, there's like different prop firms where you can pay a fee to like um, have the potential to get a lot of money to trade with. And they only let you risk, so there's like a 75K account. They only let you risk like 2750 so what I was doing is only risking a certain portion of the 27.50 and trading the RSI. Um, so far, we had a really good month. We're up $1,600 on only risking a portion of the 2,700. And we're looking for, you know, you also have to 
figure out when your payoffs are too. Like, are you going to risk one to like what your odds are? So, and something to keep in mind is probability and odds are different. So your probability is the chance out of theoretically out of a hundred, you know, attempts, what's the, how many times is this going to come up? Whereas odds in the stock market is more about like payoff. So if you think about options, if you're risking more, you're going to make less, but you're going to have a higher probability. But the odds um, and the probabilities actually equal each other out. So you get like a net uh, zero expected return in most, you know, it's a zero sum game for the most part, but you can set your strategy up to where if you're winning 50% of the time, that doesn't sound good. But if you're winning more than you're losing, then that's a positive expected return. But if you're also have a, like, say you have a 70% probability, you have a one-to-one payoff. Well, that's also good as well. To put that into terms now, this has become a new thing. So a lot of people may not even understand this, but put it into regular people terms, what John just said, let's go to sports gambling or really gambling in general. Your odds is like what you bet beforehand. If you have plus 200 odds, that means if you win, and you bet $10 at plus 200 odds, that means you're going to win $20 back. So you'll have a total of $30. That's your odds. That's what you're winning back. Same as the stock market. It's how much you're gaining your odds. The probability, however, and it's maybe a little different than stock market and it could change, but the probability um, in sports betting would be, it would change throughout the game. So like say you bet, um, you bet the Tennessee Titans a second ago, plus three, against the Baltimore Ravens. At the beginning, your probability of them covering that, who knows what it was calculated at the beginning. I would say it's probably like 45% because they gave you plus odds, so that means it's probably less than 50 um, on a spread because spreads are normally minus odds. But um, they went up 10 to nothing on the Ravens. When they went up 10 to nothing, at that point, your probability was probably like 70%. So that changes depending on the market and how things go. Your odds, that's what they are. That's your payoff. Right, exactly. And uh, I don't know if you can do this in betting, but in the stock market is when the odds go for you, you can close out before the end of the the trade happens. So the good thing about the stock market is when the odds swing in your favor, or not the odds, when the probability swing in your favor, but you have favorable odds, you can go ahead and realize that as a profit. Whereas in, you know, I guess betting and and most things, you you can do that. Yeah, so that's a little bit different. In sports betting, you... It's depending upon, I guess, depending on the bet and how the sports book feels about it. So, like, say, so yesterday, say I bet a certain amount of money on the Colts to cover, which they did, so I won that bet. But before the game started, I could have, they, um, FanDuel was actually allowing me the option if I changed them. So I put that in on Friday. It was yesterday before the game started. They were still giving me the option that I can close out for full return of my money. And then also, but, you can do that on other bets too. So say like, say you have um, like minus three or something, you're winning by 20. They may give you the option to close out if they feel bad about it because it's not going to, if you close out early, it's going to be for a smaller amount than if it ends up hitting and you have to pay it out. I would say in bet, sports betting, the um, closing early is more when you do like a parlay. So like if you do a parlay of like five teams to win, the odds are going to be really, really high. Say like three of those so say you do a five-team parlay, you bet $10 to win, let's say $300. If three out of the five hit, 
and there's two games left, they're probably going to allow you to close that out for like 120 or $130 right away before those other two teams play. Because if those hit, they're going to owe you a lot more money. But you got to kind of weigh the risk. You can take that 120 or you can roll the dice. But if one of those teams lose, then you lose everything. So they do allow you to close out early, depending on how the situation. That's awesome. And I would think that closing out early, like closing out selling options trades, would be probably the best way because you can realize that game. So... It's hit or miss on this. I think if you had a huge parlay, if you had like an eight or nine, 10 team parlay and you won like four or five and they give you a pretty good payout amount, maybe you go ahead and close it. But, you know, normally when you're doing those parlays where the odds are so good, which in sports betting, if the odds are really good, that normally means the probability of it hitting is bad. So like if I need eight teams to win the win or cover the spread, you know, it's a low probability. So my odds are going to be outrageous. Um, however, on a, a, something like that, I would say most people are betting a very small amount. So say if your normal bet on a single spread is like $25 per bet on a single game, if you have a five-team parlay, your bet's probably not $25. It may be like $5. So it's kind of like in sports betting, I would say a lot of the parlays, in my opinion, it's better just to let it ride because um, normally if you lose on them big parlays, you lose, let's say, $5. But if you hit it, you're going to win like 2,000 times that or whatever. So wow. it's such a it, – it depends. It depends on how – I guess it would depend on on those bets, how uh, – which ones hit first. So, like, are those the ones you felt really good about or are those the ones that's like eh, – you just added to make sure the odds go up so it, it could change. I've never closed that one early. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it just depends on, I guess, what you're going for. But, yeah, I mean, I think when you're, you know, talking about trading and you're building these strategies, realize that there's two sides of it. There's the probability aspect and there's also the payoff. And even though you might have a low probability, you might make up for it in the high, you know, payoff of the odds. And if you have low odds, you might have really high probability. So keep that in mind when building these strategies. And with that, it's kind of like what we just said, even in, I would say it's the same in trading options as well. Normally, if your probability is real low, your potential payout is a lot higher. So even sometimes there, it's like, it may be like such a low probability, but you're really risking such a low number compared to what potentially could pay out that it ends up being a wash. But let's go back to the CCI for a second. Um, John mentioned the minus 100 to 100 is a normal range. That's actually about, it stays in between minus 100 and 100 about 75% of the time. The other 25% is what comes outside the number. So you're, if you strict your strategy to being outside those numbers, your probability of this working is going to be much higher because it really stays in those most of the time. So you're really only taking your plays once it reaches extremes, basically. Kind of like the RSI, the same thing with the 70. Um, Mentioned, John mentioned periods. I think typical that I read was 20 to 40 periods. You really can use whatever. It's, it's more of a back testing thing. Um, 20 to 40 periods. I guess it, this would really depend on what you're using it for. If you're using it for like a long-term investing, then you would more periods, probably the better. If you're using it for short-term investing, um, I would say you don't want as many bars. Yeah, the more the lower the amount of time that you have, the more signals you'll get, and the you know the longer periods of time that you use, the least amount of signals you'll get. 
I read that the long, um, normally for people, long-term investors that are just looking for the trend, they normally um, use the daily or the weekly chart, whereas the short-term traders looking for buy and sell signals normally use like an hourly or maybe 15 minutes, something like that. But uh, I like the five-minute chart for me. Yeah, so that's, it's anything less than the hourly for the short-term. Um, but to, to add on to what John said, that's kind of all the information on the CCI and we were talking about building strategy. John, um, I think you'll agree with this. I think, in my opinion, the best way to use this, because again, let's, let's go back to the root of what, what this is, the CCI. It was developed to denote trends. And when it's above 100, that is a strong uptrend. When it's below minus 100, that means it's a strong downtrend. That, those numbers denote how the strength of the trend, basically, whereas I, RSI, I would say, denotes whether it's overbought, you know, it's overbought or oversold. Here, it's the higher the number is, or the lower the number, depending on which way you're looking at, it, tells you the strength of a trend. Um, the best way to use this, in my opinion, would to be not as a long-term or necessarily a short-term, but do both. Don't just use like a 15-minute chart or just use a weekly. First thing I would do is, you know, pull up, say, the weekly chart or whatever and figure out what the trend is. So, like, if you pull up the weekly chart and it's over 100, we're in a strong uptrend. I would assume right now we're in a strong uptrend. So, like, if we did SQL right now, we would probably be in a strong uptrend. You don't even have to do that. Bitcoin was definitely, it was at, like, 250 or something. So, Bitcoin's in a strong uptrend right now. So, if you're, you pull up the more longer-term approach and we're in a strong uptrend, but you're actually looking to trade, well, that tells you what the trend is currently. So then you can go to the shorter term chart. And since you know that the market is in, or that product or whatever is in a uptrend, there's no reason to look for sell signals in the shorter term chart. So you're in an uptrend, let's go to the shorter term chart now and only look for the buy signals because the overall trend is up and vice versa. If the overall trend was down, then you may would, the trade that you had made to look, you may look at only trading the short side of it to make sure you're with the given trend of the market because that's what you, that's where you can get into trouble is if the, say you're trying to do SPY and it's in a strong uptrend, like we're going up, up and up, 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 and you're short it too early, you're going to get killed. So it may work for like a, you know, it may work for like a second, but if we're in a, we're still in an uptrend at some point, you know, we're still going up. So that's the way I think would be best to use it is to figure out your trend and then trade the short term, the buy or sell signals based on what the trend is. You got anything else on CCI, John? Um, no, I was looking at it on a few different things. Uh, I think it's something I definitely, uh, I looked at a little bit before, but I think I definitely want to um, look at it some more and maybe try to build a strategy around it, but. Add it in, why don't you try to add it into your already RSI strategy and see what it works. You may, you may up your odds. So before you were winning however much percent of the time, 70% of the time, or the last time we talked about it, you've done stuff since then, but you're winning like 70% of the time, but value money-wise, your losses and your wins are kind of similar. You were up a little bit of money. Maybe if you can add this in there, now all of a sudden you're winning 80% of the time, your losses are a little less and your wins are a little more or something like that. Just a thought. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Like uh, anything that can improve your odds or probability, 
it would be awesome. I was looking at a bunch of things. Like I was looking at corn. Um, man, corn is on a tear just as much as Bitcoin, I believe, as far as not, maybe not as far as percent goes, but it's been just killing it. I mean, this, this I mean, it went vertical basically. Look at this. I'll show you show you real quick. The Bitcoin uh, chart's pretty vertical as well. Well, I don't know. Look at this. Uh, Fat Baby Funds posted one. He posted one today on Twitter of like the different Bitcoin charts. He posted like the daily, which it was in a dip today, which is why I went ahead and got in on the 100, 100 bucks there on Bitcoin because it was in such a dip. He posted that compared to the weekly, compared to the monthly, compared to the yearly. And the yearly, it's like, well, it, it looks like, I, I forget what that graph is called, but it's like um, a little bit curve. And then all of a sudden in, in the last month, it's just like, meow. Like hockey stick? I mean, we went from, yeah, basically, we went from, I mean, I think a week or two ago or three weeks maybe, it went from like 19 grand to 40. So, I mean, look at this corn. That's straight up. Yeah. It's on the daily. Pull up the Bitcoin and look at the one year. So, if you want to buy corn, it's at 15.93 right now. John would say a year it's up at, is it at its upper range, I would assume? Yeah, I would sell some. Uh, if I had any corn, right, any corn position, I would take your profit. Yeah, to use my mouse as a driving through. Yep. The little thing, I don't think it shows you guys like this, but it puts it over top of everything for me. And it, like, I'm trying to get it out of the way. Yeah, so Bitcoin um, is down $2,700 or 6.6% 6 .6 today. Um, I guess compared to as yesterday, but that's kind of how me and John were talking about it down there. That may be more of the hype than what Bitcoin actually is, is um, I didn't really know much about it. I knew that I was going to put like, you know, just a 50, a hundred bucks or something just to see what happens, try to ride this up wave a little bit if I lost some. Um, but you can trade it every day of the week. So, and when I was looking at it, it literally was at like 34,000. That's up to like 38 and it's been back down to like 36 and now we're back up to 38. Um, it jumps around a lot. If you, some, somebody could trade it and there's no pattern day trading rules with Bitcoin. It's basically just the currency. You're just exchanging your money from US to Bitcoin basically. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, that's what me and John was talking about there. It makes it attractive to short-term traders because you can literally just trade it. You just scalp it basically. And if it, it kind of goes against you, well, you just be done for the day and just hold your position you had until it got back to what you had previously. So I don't know. Look at this uh, CCI here. Um, it could pull back some more here and maybe more buying opportunity. Well, maybe it was at like 250 or something on one of the things you showed. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. It pulled back hard. So when I was texting you earlier, it was at 34,000. So it's at 38. Where was that? 10.08 p.m. Here's the five-minute chart. Holy shit. That's what I'm saying. Look at the trading opportunity in it. No pattern day trading rules. And it was it at like 36 or so. Yeah. I think it was slower than that. It may not even be captured. I was watching it in real time. But yeah, it's, it's wild. 
And just because I'm in Bitcoin don't mean I'm on the Bitcoin as a currency train. It just means I'm a give it a take shot. Take advantage of some opportunity. Take some take advantage of some opportunity. I'm actually up um I'm up five and a half percent since I bought it. How long ago was that, John? An hour? You should have bought the so phone. Five and a half percent. Bought, you should have went all in. <laughs> Possible. Yeah, I mean, just think about that. <laughs> How much do you trade on the, so like if I'm a long-term investment or whatever, you know, 5% is a hellacious move on one day at one point today. So in the last hour, so I bought it like a four, at four o'clock, like an hour ago, at one point I was down 5%. I'm now up 5%. That's a 10% move in the last hour. <laughs> and think most people try to get 10% a year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's crazy. Yeah, you build, hey, you build a good strategy with, you know, a CCI or something, and you can make a ton of money. I don't money. know that that's as easy. Yeah, but I don't know if that's as easy said as said than done with um, something like Bitcoin, where it's literally just ran on cult following and piss and vinegar. So, like, I mean, it could fly off at any point in time. I don't know that indicators really matter at all. Probably so. I mean, you're probably right. I mean, that chart you showed had like the CCI going back and forth between below minus 100 and plus 100 like 15 times today. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think you can trade the 15 minute, I mean, the five minute chart on it, definitely like more of an hour or a day. Yeah. But anyways, uh, I want to talk a little bit about what we have going on or coming up. Uh, we have. We'll do it at the end of the show. Let's do it at the end of the show. Okay, sounds good. Else. All right, so we're back to our buy and sell and hold segment. Um, the reason we kind of quit was John was so far behind, he wasn't going to catch up. So there really wasn't really any reason to keep doing it. Um, we're going to have to figure out some punishment for John. That's twice he's lost. I got to think of something good, but something that's kind of worth, that's good content, basically, not something crazy. It's something that's worth, like, good content. I don't know. We'll think of something that's that's useful. We might make him go on, do an extra pot. We might make him do a bonus podcast of like two hours or something where he just has to do it on his own and just go through shit or <laughs> something like that. Do some kind of live Q&A show or something. Just extra. But um, we'll figure something out. But we're back to it today. If you're new to the show, it's New Year's, so we'll explain it again. Um, first off, Let's start off, John. So let me explain the original rules and then we'll talk about this. Um, originally, this is competition between me, John, and then sometimes some of the other pivotal trading um, folks. I don't know if they send in their picks or not. So they this show don't come out until tomorrow. So it's Sunday. So maybe, it, so sometimes they send me their picks late before we can put them on the show, but they'll still be included. Um, basically, we each pick one stock that we like for the week, one stock we dislike for the week. Um, and um, we look at that on a weekly basis. So the only two numbers we look at is Monday morning at the open, whatever price that is. And we compare that to Friday at the closing price. And whoever does the best on percentage basis gets a point for each of those. If we no points are rewarded unless, so like on your buy stock, if it goes down and both people's go down, nobody gets a point. And then um, we're going to keep score. Um through each quarter. So in each quarter, there'll be a score and then somebody will win, basically. Um, the rules are thus far is that we had to pick stocks under $50 because we are a show for regular folks and beginner traders. So 50, 
you know, and this is related more towards shares rather than options. So $50 stock prices was the, um, the limit basically. Um, so that's kind of how it works. And again, it's only on a weekly basis. But, and one thing to point out is these are for like a, just a verbal competition. Um, us saying a buy or sell stock doesn't necessarily mean that we're buying or selling that stock. We may not hold it at all. It's solely for the competition. So it's definitely no recommendation. Now, sometimes maybe we do do it, but it's definitely not a recommendation. It's solely um, for this competition because we do this every week. So there's not always going to be one stock we love for the week and one stock we hate that we're only going to trade on a weekly basis. Um, first, um, John, is there anything in the rules that we want to tweak or do we want to hold it the same? Do we like the $50 limit or do we want to move to something else? What, what do you um, think? The pros and cons are so like if we raise it, the pros are there's more obviously more stocks and sometimes um, better stocks that are included. Um, the problem, I guess, with raising it is if say we raised it to a hundred dollars and you picked a stock at eighty dollars and I picked one that was fifteen dollars, you're going to have to have an hellacious move to even kind of come close. Whereas under fifty, it's not as big of a difference, I think. I mean, it's up to you. I mean, I think moving it to a hundred makes it way easier for me because there's not, uh, you know, there's some leverage ETFs that I would pick that would be um, over 50 because um, there, there's more broader index stuff where I, I don't really look at the individual stocks that much. But you're going to have to if you ever want to win. You're, I, it's going to be hard to beat me in a weekly competition picking. ETFs. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. We can keep it at 50. It's fine. You want to move it? We'll do, I'll do 75. You want to do 75? Yeah, it's fine. All right. So, we're changing the price. It has to be under 75 bucks. Um, John, what's your buy stock for today? My buy stock is, nope, not that. Nope, not that. Hang on. What happened here? It's right beside it. Hang on. There's the thing in my way again. Yeah, it's one to the right there you are. Bank of America. Bank of America is my buy. And this thing is all in my way. Is there any reason why Bank of America? Um, interest rates um, are going higher. Um, you know, that's been, been kind of the thing with the 10-year yield is it was coming off of, let me get rid of the CCI. Uh, it was what? coming off of all-time lows in the interest rate on the 10-year. Um, on the no, uh, yield so it was you know likely to go higher from there and as interest rates go higher that is positive for banking because they lend short term and uh, or they borrow short term and lend long term so as interest rates rise that increase excuse me increases bank profit when john says interest rates has been rising it's not on a major scale um if you listen to to Mr. Powell, he says they're not rising for the next few years. We'll, well, see, whether, we'll see whether that occurs or not. Um, it's already uh, up uh, 50, um, not 50%. Well, um, yeah, 50% on the 10-year yield because it went from 0.5 to now it's over 1%. Okay. And um, on we use Yahoo Finance again just because it's easy to pull up. On Yahoo Finance, they have Bank of America – through their analysis is short-term bullish, mid-term bullish, and long-term bullish. 
And I'm no technical analysis expert, John, but if you look at this chart on both January the 6th and January the 7th, those are two big, huge um, bars right there that would say that, that that's a bullish symbol, is it not? Yeah, it looks when pretty bullish. I'm like just going to compare it to this real quick. So John's pulling up the 10-year treasury yield. We see any correlation in that? It look exactly the same. That's what I'm saying, baby. Got to look, listen to your macro, man. All right. So John says Bank of America. Um, and now I might not be right this damn week, but that's not usually what I'm for my, huh? Yeah, I said over time. But I mean, it's definitely going to go up. I mean, we were in a damn pandemic. The banks were killed. So. Well, I mean, not that. Well, that yeah. I mean, that's true too. But I mean, if you just look at this, when interest rates rise, it's very good for banks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my buy is going to be Rocket, so RKT or Rocket Mortgage. This is another one. I don't know if I'm going to be right now, but um, watching football this weekend at Hulu, there's Rocket Mortgage commercials all over the place. I looked at this other day. I thought about um, starting a position when I was looking at it. Was that like 1960 or whatever? Um, I still like it where it's at under 20. Um, Yahoo Finance has short-term neutral, mid-term bullish, long-term neutral. This is basically a mortgage company. Um, housing interest rates are super low still. Um, but like I said, I was looking to add this to my like longer-term investment profile and actually buy some shares in this. Let me tell you some stats on this one, John. You're going to like this. Um, the 52-week low is about 17.50, 17.60. So we're at the low end of its range. The 52-week high is about $34. So we're at the low end of the range. The P.E. ratio for Rocket Mortgage is three. Oh. That's really, really low. And this is, a, you know, both of these buys that we have are both interest rates play. Look at the correlation. Yeah, they're both exactly the same. It has to do with uh, borrowing in the short term and lending to the long term. And the reason I kind of, this, and then, so those are the statistics. Normally, if something has a P.E. ratio under 10, I think War. I think it's even Warren Buffett that said. I think he says if it's under ten, buy. That's that's like really low. That's hard. Yeah, I'm not buying some of this myself. Um, but hey, I could probably I uh, might might be able to sell some puts in this or, or like a Jade Lizard or something. Yeah, well, it's a lower price product. It's under twenty dollars, so you can do some definitely options. I would go farther out of time because it's still a mortgage thing, so it's kind of we still got COVID and stuff like that going on. But um, the one thing. Uh, with this is in in the past, like when I went and bought a house, I went to like a bank, not not necessarily kind of a bank or a mortgage company. This is kind of like mainstreaming mortgage a little bit, which good or bad, I would say. If, and I don't know everything about rocket mortgage. I still got some research to do on there. I would assume your credit to get a loan from Rocket Mortgage is not does not have to be as good as getting a loan from your standard mortgage company. Would you agree, John? This, I mean, I don't know. I don't know okay, much about so there are big, You see their commercials all over Hulu and their commercials, they're, they're a sponsor of the playoffs this weekend. So how many banks have you seen that's kind of doing it? So it's, I would say at some point this kind of place, so like if someone's looking to buy a house and they don't really know you know, they've never done it before, whatever. They, you see a commercial on a football game talking about rocket mortgages, maybe something they look at. So it's yeah, definitely sure. a lot of advertising in there. I mean, I've um, definitely seen their ads for sure. But um, let's go on to the sales, John. 
Okay, my sale is UUP. It's just been in crash mode. Money printer go burr. So UUP is just basically um, selling the dollar. Yep. Just. Okay, sounds good. My sale is um, one that was the favorite of people for the last week. And I didn't even have to look at this stock before. I, like, I, in my head, I was like, what are y'all doing? And I'm pretty sure a lot of people was like, what the hell is people doing? It's Fubo, so F-U-B-O. And this is Fubo TV, which I'll tell you the reasoning. People don't do their research and just invest in whatever, not paying attention. Um, so Fubo TV is like one of these um, online cable type things. Like I personally at my house have YouTube TV, same thing as Fubo TV. Um, Fubo TV went from like $10 to like $60 over like a two week span, as you can see from the chart, a ridiculous chart. And everybody was like, what in the hell is going on? Um, if you see a Fubo TV commercial with John, I'm sure you might've seen one of these before. Their thing is that Fubo TV with live sports. Well, Everyone has every one of these type of companies, YouTube TV, Sling, they all have live sports. It's cable. But I think people were buying them because they're thinking cable is going out, which it is. So when we're talking about direct TV, dish network, that is going down the drain for sure. So they're like, oh, this is a company that has live sports. But if you don't do your research, what this company actually is, is basically the similar to cable. They have to make, they have to make deals with these channels. So say Fubo TV, if they want to show ESPN, they have to make a deal with ESPN to show their show it on um, their platform. They just don't automatically get it. In fact, when I looked it up, I think there was a either a tennis or a golf channel that was getting kicked off where they lost the deal. So they're advertising that we have live sports, but it's one of them companies where at any point in time, one of them deals falls through, or a deal doesn't, or someone doesn't want to re-sign. So now you could be paying sixty-five dollars or whatever for Fubo TV, and all of a sudden ESPN pulls out, and you don't have ESPN. So that's not, in my opinion, Fubo TV, Sling, YouTube, whatever. Those are not the way to play the downfall of cable. The downfall of cable, in my opinion, if you want to play that, is Amazon. It's not going to sound like a surprise. It's Amazon and it's Disney basically. So um, it's already crashed a lot. It went from 60. We're back at like 27 now. It's going to got, it has a lot more way to crash because it's really a shit stock. It's not worth anything. Like I said, it's the same as Sling TV and YouTube TV, which you hear a lot more people having than Fubo TV. I've heard the commercials. I've never seen someone talk to someone that has Fubo TV. They always have YouTube or Sling. So those are the same thing. Um, but if you want to play the downfall of cable, just play Disney. Disney owns all, all the ESPNs at any point in time, and it may not be soon. Disney can pull all the ESPNs at the end of the deals with the cable and put them on Disney Plus. And then it's just Disney getting the benefits for watching sports. That's literally all you have to, I mean, Disney can pull it the same from, so if Disney pulls theirs from cable, they're probably not showing it on Fubo TV because they want you to buy Disney Plus. Now, the way that the reason they wouldn't pull is if there's a hellacious deal. So, I mean, if someone makes them a really good deal, then it's obviously we'll sign a good deal. But um, they can pull it. And then the other thing to go along with this, and they even further kind of talks about the downfall of cable, um, the game, the NFL game that's on right now between New Orleans and Chicago, which is a wild card, a major playoff game, um, it's live on Amazon Prime. So, 
those are your two right there. Amazon Prime starting to – this is the second game in like two weeks, the Amazon Prime stream, and that's the only way you can watch it. And um, Disney because they own ESPN. So those are, in my opinion, where cable's headed, not necessarily uh, these makeshift cable companies. YouTube TV, Fubo, those are just cable through the internet. That's all it is. It's not – I mean, instead of having satellite, you now just get it through the internet, basically. So it's really no different. Anyhow, that's myself. Um, so check out our show next um, Sunday, and we'll go through who wins and give our new picks. John, have you unlocked my screen share? Yep. So let's go through our next segment that we started this year, and it's basically Google stock market. So let me refresh in case we got some new stories. All right, so this segment is where we just run through the first page of Google. If you Google stock market, we run through the first page, and we give any opinions we have based solely on the headline. So we do not read any of these articles and sometimes we'll just skip because it's not worth talking about or we already talked about. So the first one's from Bloomberg, full blown mania, stock market jackpot, bells just keep ringing. Um, John, there's not much to say here. That's true. I mean, we just hit all time highs every day. And in both of our opinions, it's probably gonna continue that way. John, you're on mute. Mute. You're on mute. So John is just talking here. So, All right, so anyways, uh, yeah. So as you see headlines like this that says, um, you know, you know, uh, bell keeps ringing. You know, jackpot. It, it, the the more bullish the media gets, that's you sell a little bit more and more. Yep. Um, the next one is from Motley Fool, everyone's favorite company to hate, including me. Um, theirs is five reasons not to worry about stock market crash. Um, yep, sell a little more. You basically have to read that. Well, I won't even say sell on Motley Fool. This is actually the reason I hate them, not necessarily what they said. They have this article, and we've pointed this out before on plenty of different things. I, I mean, we've done this on the show where I pointed this out on articles written at the same time. It's kind of like I think Motley Fool is kind of like one of the content companies where there's a bunch of different writers and they're just giving your, their opinion. But anyhow, they'll have an article that says this, and then probably two days ago, they'll have an article that says the exact opposite. And that's why I'm out on Motley Fool. Is it's, it's, they give you both sides. They try to play the middle and give you both sides. And then the other reason is I've seen articles where they're like, okay, all you have to do is do this, and you'll be fine, and it'll be like uh, – Put this amount of money in this, diversify your portfolio, make sure you're diversified in sectors as well. And it's stuff like, and basically they'll give you cookie cutter stuff that is like, um, well, no shit. If I do those, I'll be fine. So basically in my opinion, Molly Full gives you very little content that is actually um, usable. It's mostly just stuff that says, well, well, duh. Obviously, everyone already knows that. Why don't you give me something that I can actually use? All right, the next one again from Bloomberg. Dollar steady. Asian stocks set for muted start. Market tracks. So Bloomberg thinks the dollar is kind of just going to go sideways at this point, and then the Asian stocks similar. I mean, I think I think it could go much lower, but I mean, if it stabilizes here. Um, this you know, is 24 minutes ago, and it looks to me, I don't know what that is, 
That looks to me like a cryptocurrency picture. Yeah, I think they just use whatever graphic looks the most uh, interesting. Because when you go, say, on Robinhood or something, you type in a cryptocurrency, it's all, it's like, it changes. The background's all black and it's all neon like that. But uh, next one, Yahoo Finance, two stocks that are flirting with the bottom analysts say buy. Again, we're not reading the article, so we're not, we're just going to skip that one. Barron's, how to make 41 million from 3,000, investing lessons from the century. I, I, without reading the article, I assume here they're trying to just, they're just, um, this story really is going to be about like what happened in the past, basically that you kind of like a Warren Buffett tale where if you put this amount in Coke 60 years ago, this is what you would have made. Um, but the first thing that comes to my mind, John, when I see this, this seems like somebody's gum road um, course on Twitter. Someone that has a gum road course will be like, all right, let me show you how I turned a hundred dollars into a million in a week and a half. Yeah. And then those are the ones you just ignore. Next one is Molly Full again. Forget Bitcoin. These stocks are better buys for a bull market. Again, we don't know the stocks, but Bitcoin looks pretty damn good right now. So um, next one is Business Insider. Widely overvalued, a former Wall Street chief strategist says it's time for stock bulls to sell their holdings. And I actually clicked on this to make sure I knew the rest of the title. Um, Wall Street bulls to sell their holdings and warns of a vicious come up of small caps. So this is kind of the opposite, John. It's like however much the media talks is when you start selling more. But right now, it's, you're going to see both sides. This guy says that we're overvalued, which we are in some cases, but that doesn't mean we're going to go down. Even John, the biggest bear of them all, has turned to bullish at this point. Um, but I want to focus on the other half of this. He warns of a vicious comeuppance of small caps. I think that's probably true, and that probably goes kind of along with your Bank of America. Um, a lot of the small cap stocks have kind of been lagging. I can see it starting to kind of break through. Yeah. I mean, everything else has went up. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. we're definitely overvalued and talking about overvalued, it makes me think of uh, the new richest man in the world, Elon Musk. I don't know if he's overvalued. His company currently is overvalued. Elon Musk. That, well, that, no, no, that's what I mean. person is not. No, so, no, no. This is the one thing I think I even tweeted a comment to someone about this the other day. But that one thing with Elon Musk is if he sold out a Tesla, I'm convinced Elon Musk could start another company that is a completely different, he's a genius, I mean, he's a genius and a great leader. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if in our lifetime, Elon Musk has another company that is not even kind of related to what Tesla does and is just as successful. Um, the next one, the market's strange disregard for chaos in Washington. We talked about this last episode Um a lot of people want to point to like politics and stuff as being a strong movement of what the market. I would argue that if you're day trading, yeah, bad stuff in politics can make it jump way down, go way up real fast. But over time, I would say the stock market's way bigger than politics. Wouldn't you? I mean, a good company is a good company, whether or not who doesn't matter who who's president, like. Amazon is a great company. doesn't matter who's in office. Yeah, and they got enough power to sway the politicians. So, 
and I mean, that's, that's a lot of stocks. It's not necessarily politicians. It's just like a lot of these companies, if they're a good company, it shouldn't be affected by politics because they're a good company. Um, Investors Business Daily, Dow Jones Futures, extended stock market rally, Tesla Climax run or volatile mix, and NEO stock, a buy with the new ET7. This was 13 minutes ago. We already talked about Tesla and the market rally. NEO is actually kind of, I had some options in NEO, but I sold them for a small profit. You know, they had a share, they had like a um, share sale and it dropped from like 50 to 42. But um, it's went, it's up to 59 now. They basically came out with um, a new vehicle. So it's, you know, at some point, NEO is not Tesla and it's a Chinese company. So you always have to worry about America-Chinese relations. Um, when with regards to Chinese companies, but you know, one company can't control the EV space. Neo, unlike Nikola, so Nikola, we're not sure if they, they even have vehicles. Um, Neo actually has vehicles, and they kind of released a new one with the CT7 thing. So I think Neo is um, going to go up quite a bit. It's at it was at 59 on Friday. I think it's probably going to go quite more. I know John doesn't really look at that. So. And then the last one is um, CNBC. We're in nosebleed territory. Three market analysts on where stocks head in 2021. We're at all-time highs for sure. I We gave our takes on this. I think there could be like little pullbacks here and there, but I think ultimately we finish, you know, 9% higher or so on this year. So John feels the same. We didn't talk about that last By year. every dip. Yeah, by every dip. That's what a lot of people are saying. So that. That's pretty much what we have for those um, for the news stories. But yeah, John. Uh, before we end the show, I'll let you go ahead and you know talk about some of the content coming this week, starting this week. Yeah, we got some cool stuff coming up. Um, you know, our the first couple shows for me at least. Um, I'm going to try to get a rhythm going and talk about certain things but as we progress through this they'll get much better as time goes on but um trade i mean i'm starting this new show and i'll let chris talk about the one that he's doing but uh yeah this is the just swinging a podcast but we're powered by pivotal trading so we're just another branch off of pivotal trading so i was gonna say at this point hopefully dustin ain't listening to this point but at this point just swing, pivotal trading powered by just swinging it, I would say. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've you know we've we've grown quite a bit um, as uh, part of pivotal trading. But anyways, so on the pivotal trading um, YouTube channel, if you haven't checked that out, definitely go over there and check us out on pivotal trading. That's where the new series is going to be coming out. And those are going to be video-based series. So, you know, we're doing the podcast. You can listen to us going down the road at work, you know, doing whatever you're doing. But we're also going to have our video series that's going to be, um, you know, about different topics. We're all going to do a different series. So it's going to be really good and insightful. So make sure you go over there. But my series is going to be about generating alpha. And if you're trading or investing yourself, really to me the only reason that you're going to invest yourself and spend this much time that we're spending in it is to outperform what the broad market does because if you can just put all of your money into the s&p 500 and get eight percent a year on average 
Um, what's the reason to actively invest or do it yourself if you're not going to get a bigger return than the S&P 500 gets? So that's most people's benchmark is S&P 500. So if you return more money in a year than, a, than the S&P 500 does, that's what generating alpha is. So if the S&P 500 returns, say, 5%, uh, and you return 10%, you generated 5% of alpha. And that alpha is the whole reason that we're trying to manage our own portfolios because we're trying to do better than what the market can do. So for me, that's the whole reason I do this is to generate more money than I normally would have not doing anything. And if you're not generating more money than the broad market has since you've been involved, well, this show might be for you because it'll give you some ideas, some trading concepts that you might not be aware of that will help you generate that alpha so you can get those people returns. So I have a little clip here that I'm going to share that's going to be um, my intro trailer thing. Um, it's just a short clip. The name of the show is um, Alpha Wolf Trades. And so we're going to be, you know, presenting different alpha ideas. You know how you have the alpha, alpha wolf. That's, you know, kind of the premise of the show. So I'll try to roll the clip here. Let's see if I can pull it up. It didn't howl, but oh, that's what it's going to look like. Yeah, there's also a howl um, that's in there, but I don't really know how to. Uh, have it play for you guys um, through this, but if you're, you know, watching this on video, then you'll see that, but yeah, it's uh, basically a wolf. He's standing there howling, and we got the stock market in the ground, uh, the chart underneath him with the title of the thing, so make sure you check that out, and then I'll let you, I'll let Chris explain what his show is. And you can find John's show um, should be releasing Thursday night, so don't look for it during the day. Give them till Thursday night to get it out because that's when we also record our podcast. So he really needs to have it ready by Wednesday because he's going to be doing this. But um, the other shows, I'll go ahead and do Dustin's as well. His has been going. It's called Start with the Chart. It come. It's going to be. I don't. I think he's been releasing it randomly, but it's going to be more structured a little bit now since we're all doing one. His should be coming out on Tuesday nights. And if you want to know more about technical analysis, he basically picks one you know, one popular ticker and he does a technical analysis on it in about a two to three minute video. So these, these videos are only going to be probably three to five minutes. You know, it could be longer, but definitely under 10. Um, his is two or three minutes, four minutes, and he just does a technical analysis on a specific ticker that'll be coming out on Tuesdays. Um, mine will be called Check Out My Drip and similar to both John and Dustin's, uh, I basically just would be breaking down a popular dividend stock, you know, where the dividend yield is at. Have they increased their dividends over the, you know, however many years, recent times? But we won't only be looking at the dividends because that's not the most important part. We'll also be looking at the, the price point and how it has moved um, over the years because just because, say, like um, AT&T is one of the most popular dividends because it has a huge yield. It's really not that great of a stock to own because it doesn't really return any value, just the dividend. So we'll be looking at some of that and seeing, you know, giving my take on, hey, this is solely for dividend purposes or this one, you know, you'll get a return out of it as well. 
And then I'll probably provide a calculation each time. I might make a standard amount of money, like an add a thousand each year and show you guys about the compounding effects of reinvesting your dividends and how that may look over a 20 year period. So that's what mine will be. And it'll be on Wednesday night. And, and then you're going over um, like, you're going under over like fundamentals. Uh, I'm gonna pick one. I'm, yeah, I'm just gonna pick one stock. So like I said, one may be AT&T. We'll just break down AT&T. Again, it's a short video under five minutes. We'll just break down. And you'll talk about like, um, like P ratio evaluations. Are yeah. you going to um, look, so dividends, evaluation. It's, it's going to be focused on dividends and, you know, how reinvesting those dividends may and are you, add. Are you going to talk about if you are going to buy it or sell it or if any price points or anything like that? Probably nothing like that because, you know, I'm not, there's tons of dividend stocks. We're going to be doing this each week. There's going to be some that break that go over that maybe other people like that. I personally don't know. And so we, Probably won't go over specifically whether it buy or sell because some of them I may not like, but someone else may like and that sort of thing. But um, it's going to be over more, you know, I'll put up a slide of kind of like John said, the fundamental stuff like the PE ratio and where it's at currently. Um, but then it'll be focused on more of how their dividends, basically solely on dividends, like Say, say we do Coke and it's dividend currently for this quarter is this, which is this percent yield. How does that look compared to recent years? Is that risen? Because normally when people invest in dividend stocks, they want to do the aristocrats, which means they're, you know, they're increasing their dividends over 25 years would be an aristocrat, but other companies increase them. You don't definitely don't want to be investing in dividend stocks that are decreasing dividends. That defeats the purpose. So We'll be over that and then mainly the compounding effects in a particular dividend. So it, it'll show kind of, you know, it'll be like pros and cons, basically. Like this stock you get over this amount of time, it, it looks like you get this amount of dividend, but you take a hit on the return. Whereas this one, you get less dividend, but you get more return. So it'll just be great. It'll be like um, Dustin's just breaking down a single dividend stock, basically. And we'll do that each week. And then, of course, our show, Keep Swinging, comes out on Monday and Friday. And then Dustin's podcast comes out on Sunday. So we got a six days worth. Yeah, I just tweeted that a second ago. So this is a this is, um, perfect um, way to close the show. If you're not following, following us yet on Twitter, follow us at Keep Swinging. Uh, follow us at Swinging It, no just, but at Swinging It. And um don't just follow us. Feel free to um, interact with us on there. We will message back to any DM. We'll comment back to any comment. So be sure to interact with us there. We post serious stuff, but we also post a lot of, you know, silly stuff, funny stuff. We mix it up in the comments with people all the time. So we're pretty good following there, if I say so myself. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at Swinging It. We are not banned like Donald Trump yet, yet, but follow us at Swinging It. And then, um, you know, we need some more interviews for the show. Of course, we're going to have the stock parent and Fat Baby Funds on both at the same time, kind of bullshit around with us. But we need some more interviews. So if you know anyone that you think fits our show that is related to finance, investing, business, um, you know, anything like that, kind of, you've seen the people that have been on the show trading, it could be long term investing, finance, trading anything like that, and you think they'll fit well with our show, email us their information at keepswingingit at gmail.com. And, you know, we'll, 
I mean, we'll have anyone on the show, really. We'll give them a chance. So we'll bring them on and, you know, everything's for the listeners. So if you want them on there, we'll bring them on. So definitely um, do that. And then, you know, we look to have a pretty good year with you guys. So how, how's that sound, John? Sounds good to me. All right, be sure to do your homework and share the show with five friends or family, and we'll see you guys on Friday. John, play the music. <laughs>